If you have your Bibles, I want to open to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look there today. His name was Howard Hughes. As an aviator, he once held every speed record of consequence. was called the world's greatest flyer. Now, at various points in his life, he owned an international airline, two regional airlines, an aircraft company, a major motion picture studio, mining properties, a tool company, gambling casinos and hotels in Vegas, along with the Medical Research Institute and vast amount of real estate. He dated some of the most beautiful Hollywood stars of all time. And when he died in 1976, he had a net worth of over $2 billion, making him the richest man in the world. But at the end of his life, he was cared for around the clock by 15 personal attendants and three full-time doctors. He had the best health care money could buy. But you'd be shocked to know what killed him. Malnutrition. He died thin, dehydrated, and emaciated, despite all of his money and all of his power. Now, how did it happen? Well, Hughes was so eccentric, so psychologically disturbed, he refused all food and water because he was afraid it would kill him. He was so obsessed about absolute purity in his food and water, he no longer ate or drank. But he forgot one fact. When you don't eat, you don't live. You see, the same is true in our spiritual life. You can't make it without food. And as we'll see in a moment, the food of the spiritual life is the Word of God. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about uh, living a life that is shockingly refreshing. And I want to tell you, today is probably the most important message of all of them. Because if you're so overloaded that you are neglecting to feed from the Word of God, you're suffering from spiritual malnutrition. And you're going to spend the rest of your life in a downward spiral of stress, frustration, worry, and anger. So many evangelical Christians are concerned, and I would say, rightly so, about the way our culture is increasingly rejecting biblical Christianity. But to be more honest, I'm way more concerned about evangelical Christians that reject the Bible. Now, I don't mean they're rejecting the truth of the Bible. They're just rejecting interacting with the Bible. George Gallup put the problem this way. Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't read it. And because they don't read it, they've become a nation of biblical illiterates. See, if you don't think we have a problem, listen to this. Fewer than half of the adults can name the four Gospels. 60% of Americans can't name five of the Ten Commandments. 81% of born-again Christians said, God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. 12% of adults believe Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. And over 50% of graduating high school seniors think Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. See, if you want to experience a life that is shockingly refreshing, if you want to overcome this overload, let me give you this advice that will change your life in a way that I don't think you can ever imagine. Let's look at our scripture. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tested that the Lord is good. See, it begins by developing a heart for God's Word. 
I want to share with you something that may surprise you. Even though we're told in verse 2 that we are as newborn babes to desire pure milk of the word. There's this condition that gets attached to it from verse 1. See, verse 1 said, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. And so you may begin to wonder what verse 1, which deals with all types of relational problems, what does that have to do with reading the Bible, with reading God's Word? But it has very much to do with it. You see, you not only read the Bible with your eyes, you read it with your heart. And if your heart is, is dirty and polluted from bitterness and lying and hypocrisy and jealousy or slander, it won't do any good to read the Bible. See, these two verses are connected, not just because one comes right after the other, but they're connected in this circular way. See, that word rid in the Greek language literally means to strip off. It refers to taking off dirty clothes and putting clean clothes on. Right, for example, if, if you've been outside all day and you're working in the yard or you're mowing or raking or whatever you're doing and, and you decide we're going to go out to eat at a nice restaurant tonight, well, what do you do? You come in the house, you take off the dirty work clothes, you take a shower, and then you put on clean clothes in order to go out. Right? Before you sit down to, to eat at the table of the Word of God, you need to be clean. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. In other words, if there is sin in your life, until you get rid of that sin... You can't talk to God. Just as you talk to God in prayer, God talks to you through reading His Word. And if there's sin in your life, God won't speak to you until that sin is taken care of. See, before we can really come to the Bible and understand it and, and get from it from what we need to get, we first have to lay aside anything that would hinder our relationship with God and with other people. See, that malice, that refers to bitterness, hard feelings, carrying grudges, right? Deceit refers to dishonesty, being two-faced, having hidden agendas. Hypocrisy means play-acting, hiding behind a mask. <laughs> not appropriate in this day and age. It means pretending to be something you're not. Envy is representing or resenting what someone has and also resenting that you don't have what they have. And slander is speaking evil. And gossip. See, if any of these things, or all of these things, are a part of your life, there's no need to come to the Bible to open this book. But let me flip it around. When you do read this Bible, God not only tells you what to do, but when you do what God tells you to do in the Bible, you won't do what He doesn't want you to do. When you're doing what he wants you to do, and when you're not doing what he doesn't want you to do, that's when you have a heart that will receive God's word. I heard something a while back, and I've never forgotten it. It's very true. In fact, it's a law you can't break. See, it's either sin will keep you from the Bible, or the Bible will keep you from sin. So begin by developing a heart for God's word. And then develop a hunger for God's word. Like newborn babies, long for pure milk, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Peter compares God's word to milk. But really, the Bible is more like a buffet. It's a complete meal. It gives you the exact diet you need to be a mature, balanced 
believer. I mean, if you go to a restaurant and you order a meal, right? If you're ordering a, a full meal, it consists of four things. An appetizer, a beverage, a main dish, and a dessert. Well, God's Word makes up a complete meal. I mean, God's Word is bread. In Matthew 4.4, 4, it says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the appetizer. And then you need the beverage, right? God's Word is milk. Here in 1 Peter 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. It's also the main meal. 1 Corinthians 3, 2, I fed you with milk, not with solid food. But then you need to close out with dessert. And God's word is like honey. Psalms 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. See, Peter tells us we should have the same appetite for the Word of God that a newborn baby has for milk. And a baby with no appetite is sick. Right? In fact, one of the marks of sickness is you lose your appetite. There was a pastor that told about the last weeks of his dad's life. He said, my dad was always a big eater. Even when he got sick, there were certain types of food my mom could fix him and he would always eat. But in the last couple weeks of my dad's life, he literally did not want anything to eat. See, he wasn't sick because he lost his appetite. He lost his appetite because he was sick. If you've ever been around a newborn baby, you understand that when they wake up and they begin crying, what do they want? They want milk. And nothing else is going to satisfy them. Right? Not a rattle, not a toy, not dolls, not music, not, not anything else. But milk. There are certain times in life when nothing else will do. So you have to do everything you can to stimulate that hunger for God's Word. And you can do it by in a few ways. One is by doing what we're doing here. Coming together to hear the preaching of God's Word. Now hopefully, prayerfully, the preaching stimulates in you a desire and a thirst for more of God's Word. Because there's also no substitute for you reading the scriptures yourself, studying the Bible yourself. See, I don't have any more of a hotline to God than you do. God doesn't have any more of a pipeline to me than he does to you. And just as God speaks to me through his word, he speaks to you through his word. As both you and I know, no matter how good the meal is, no matter how great the steak is grilled, if you're not hungry, you're not going to eat it. And the truth of the matter is there's nothing wrong with the food that is found in this book. But there's something wrong with our appetite. So we need to develop this hunger for God's Word. And then we need to develop a hearing for God's Word. This Word will help you grow. Right? Verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious... Man, Peter must have been super hungry when he wrote this passage because it seems like he's hung up on food. He talks about milk and he talks about taste. And there's a reason. Meat and milk must be tasted if there's going to be a benefit. Right? I mean, you can go to the most beautifully laid out banquet table on the planet with the greatest food ever prepared by the best chefs in the world. But if you don't taste it, if you don't eat it and digest it, you'll starve to death. See, there's two kinds of physical starvation, right? The first is by eating nothing. I mean, we've seen those pictures of kids overseas, right? And they're emaciated and they're walking skeletons because they've literally had nothing to eat. 
But there's another way you can starve to death or at least not get the nutrition you need. And that is from eating the wrong kinds of food. And that type of starvation is, is silent. You don't notice it on the outside. But it begins to break down the vital organs of the body, weakens the immune system. In the beginning of our nation, when people traveled by sea, the early pilgrims, they would come over and they had a problem. They didn't understand how much they needed vitamin C. And they would bring over these rations to feed themselves on the journey from one end of the ocean to the other, but they didn't allow for vitamin C and other nutrients that their body needed. So as they made their way over, there was a condition called scurvy that began to affect many of the people. Their joints would swell, their teeth would begin to fall out, their organs would shut down, and they would die. It's not because they weren't eating. The problem was they were eating the wrong kinds of food. See, can I be honest? I think the reason we find it so hard to cultivate an appetite for God's Word is because we're living on spiritual junk food. In fact, we're living in a spiritual junk food culture. The reason we don't have that appetite for God's word is because we satisfied our hunger with so many other things. I mean, we feed our souls with the mindless programming on TV that basically mocks everything we believe. We clog the arteries of our soul with the violence and language of modern day movies. We fill our ears with music that degrades the spirit and denies the Lord. And then we wonder why we have no appetite for God's word. Can I make a practical suggestion? You know, very few of us find it, make it difficult to, or very few of us make sure we get three meals a day, right? Maybe a few snacks in between. We, we seem to have a big problem, though, setting aside time every day to feed on God's Word. So let me make this challenge. For the next 45 days, today and until the end of the year, if you're not already doing this, Take the first 15 minutes of your day and spend it alone with God in His Word. I mean, we have a great Bible reading plan in the foyer that you can use to read through it. Or I recommend just starting in Matthew and reading through the Gospels. And let me make this guarantee. You can't do that without radically changing your life. But it will radically change your life. This is not just about eating. This is about your very spiritual existence. See, I don't know if you know this, but you can't really even live without Scripture. Deuteronomy 32.47 says, It is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. There was a time of persecution in England. and A man named George Wishart, local chaplain, was sentenced to be hung for his faith. And they were about to put the rope around his necks and his executioner said it was custom to allow the condemned man to request a psalm be read to all those who gathered as they watched him die. And they asked him, what psalm do you want? And he requested Psalms 119. It happens to be the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses. Well, as the minister was reading to the condemned man, he got about to verse 120. And then they heard the distant pounding of hooves of a horse. And the horseman carried a message from the king. And it was a pardon for George Wishart. Psalms 119 literally saved his life. You see, this is a life-saving book. It can save you a lot of grief and a lot of sorrow and a lot of heartache. 
It can save a marriage. It can save a family. It can save your soul. So got milk? (laughs) Yeah, we do. But we need to drink it every day. So as I close, let me just ask, are you feeding on God's Word? Or maybe that's something you need to begin today. So as I said earlier, for the next 45 days, spend 15 minutes each morning in God's Word. See if it doesn't change your life. Would you pray with me? Father God, you have given us your Word to feed on every day. It encourages us. It strengthens us, it teaches us, it challenges us. Your word allows us to know more about you and draw closer to you. So Lord, help us each day to devour your word so that we can draw near to you. We can become more like you and more like what you want us to be. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.